Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. What is going on here and what are we even doing? Now, that might not be a question that you ask yourself very often. Um, I ask myself this question all the time. For instance, when I'm sitting in traffic to drive the kids to school in the morning, and I think to myself, it's time to homeschool. I don't know why I'm even sitting in this traffic, okay? It's over simple things. (laughs) Um, Simple little routines that I have. And what I want to do over the next three weeks... And what Pastor Tom is going to help us do next week is we're going to be looking at our church life together. Uh, All of this may not be new information to you. It may not be new scripture that we're opening. It may not be the deepest study of scripture that we've done together. And yet, I think that these next three weeks are going to be very important for us. But before we go there, and we've done this briefly together already, but I want to do it one more time as a quick review. Let's look back at 2017. I know it's February, okay? But let's look back at 2017 and see where we have been, okay? Now, one thing that we started, I believe actually in 2016, uh, and I could be wrong about that, but that we still have going now is Mountain View Kids, And that's not the kids' Sunday school that we're talking about now. This is the after-church kids' church, or before when we met in the afternoons. Does anyone actually remember that we met in the afternoons? Because I'm I'm not going to lie, that seems like a million years ago now to me, okay? But we used to meet in the afternoons, in case you forgot, and kids' church was something that we started before the service. And we had literal hordes of children come in and pour in. And we started speaking um, the truth about Jesus and reading scripture to them and having them memorize verses and having them memorize truths about God. And so we keep doing that. But we started that for real in 2017, I guess you could say. Also in 2017, we studied the book of Ruth together. Um, It was a story of redeemers. It was a story of Naomi being a redeemer, and Ruth being a redeemer, and Boaz being a redeemer, leading to our ultimate redeemer, Jesus. And um, in the midst of that, we had our 2017 leadership camp here at the Waldorf School. So not only did we have a special afternoon where parents uh, of our students that come to Kids Church come, and they got to hear the beginning of the story of Ruth, but we had all of the children that were old enough to come here at the Waldorf School coming and hearing the good news about Jesus throughout the story of Ruth, throughout the book of Ruth. That was a very special time uh, for me because believe it or not, uh, there was one more series that I did before that, but that was really when I, I started preaching all the time. Uh, Kind of a big deal. I'm almost at my one-year anniversary of starting to preach all the time, okay? And it's frightening to me that um, there's no end in sight to it now. Right, Pastor Tom? 
Oh my goodness, okay. Um, we also had our missions conference where we invited missionaries in uh, to preach to us and to show us their ministries. Um, we will be doing something like that this year, and I look forward to that again. Um, we had our Anticipate Christmas series, which we have on a yearly basis. You'll remember also, we just finished 1 Peter, and in the midst of that too, maybe I skipped it, or maybe I just missed it, but we had our Daily Doctrine series, where we looked at theological themes throughout the Bible and applied it to our lives, both as a church and our daily lives individually. But instead of asking the very long question of, I can't even remember the name of it, I just want to declare where it is that we're at, and this will lead to some more questions, okay? You are here, okay? You are here. You're sitting in church right now. But here's the very simple question I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself. Why are you sitting in church? Okay? Why are you sitting in church? Um, over the next three weeks, we want to examine that. Why are we sitting here in church? Where is here? And what are we doing here? So this week, we're going to look at why the church. Or in a slightly more provocative way, what the church, okay? Why the church? What, why are we here together? Next week, we're going to look at the church gathered. What we do when we come together as a church body. And why we do what we do. And then in week three, we're going to be looking at the church scattered. Now, this is our language that we have used for quite a while on and off, but gathering and scattering, right? This is the church when we are together, um, whether it be here and now or for smaller group on Wednesday or in little fellowships that we do for brides, dinners, so on and so forth. But the church scattered is what we do when we're not with one another. And so the third week of this series, here we are, <laughs> um, you are here, that's what we'll be looking at, is what mission looks like, not just for our church um, continuing to come alongside Mountain View Somerset West and prayerful support of missionaries, but what that looks like for us to actually financially or in some physical way support missionaries. Or what that means for us as a church body to send someone out as a missionary from this very church body. Or what that means for each and every one of us in our community as we go out and live our daily lives. We work our daily jobs and how we proclaim Christ through that work. Okay, So that's what the next three weeks look like. And more specifically then on week three will be what members of a church do. And we'll be looking at membership and how that relates to what it looks like when we're scattered. But the first question I want to ask today is why might this be important? Why do we need to ask questions about the church and what it is that we're doing here? Um. And I'm going to give you three reasons, okay? And I'm going to give you a lot of notes. If you can take some of the notes, good. If it helps you remember some things, that's good too. Um, but don't worry, at the end of this, we will have a little booklet with all of this uh, 
stuff that we're covering over the next three weeks in it as well. So why might this be important? The first one is that we will be growing together this year. Now that sounds like a bold statement. I'm not naming it and claiming it. But can I, can I say this? Um, what I see on a weekly basis now when I look out at everyone in front of me is a group of dedicated believers. Um, and, and I don't say that to puff you up. I say that because you all know the story of Mountain View Hermanus thus far. And you wouldn't be here sitting <laughs> if you weren't committed to Mountain View Hermanus right now. You just wouldn't be. Honestly, I wouldn't be either. Right? We see a common goal that we're working towards together. And yeah, sure, that goal gets redefined from time to time, but that goal is to be preaching the good news of Jesus and bringing people to salvation, discipling them and bringing them into the church. I think we all see that as a goal, as something that we should be working towards, and I'm encouraged by that, to continually see people more and more dedicated to this little church. Also this year, these things are important because we're going to be introducing membership. And now you might remember that that may or may not have been in the state of the church last year as well. Uh, and there have been some hiccups along the road to membership. Um, but after our third week of this, this is going to be something that Pastor Tom and I uh, will be actively pursuing with all of you and sorting out what membership is going to look like here and how it's going to be implemented, and so on and so forth. Um, but that is something that we can be praying together toward. And then lastly, we're going to be digging deeper into God's Word this year and into the lives of our neighbors. We're going to be digging deeper into God's Word and into the lives of our neighbors. And I use that kind of language very intentionally, not because we're meddling in other people's affairs, right? We studied that in 1 Peter. What we're talking about here is uh, loving the Lord our God with all of our mind, soul, strength, all of our heart, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And as we go into week three, and as we go into week two as well, we're going to see the ways in which God has set aside for us to be reaching out to the world around us, okay? So these are the reasons why it's important to ask these questions right now. So here's a question, another question. What is church? Okay. Now, you notice I didn't ask what is the church, okay? We're going to get there, but what is church? And that might seem like a very strange question. Well, pastor, you know, church is the thing that I go to um, because I know people there. And that's my community of people who care for me and I care for them. And that's all good. That's not bad. But let's just look very quickly at what church actually is, okay? Um, and so first of all, church is a gathering, it is an assembly. This is the language that we have in the New Testament. The word that's used in the New Testament is ecclesia, and it's literally the congregation or the assembly. It simply means a meeting. Now, that doesn't sound very complex, uh, and it's not actually a new idea to 
God, okay? This isn't something that God just thought of. In fact, in the Old Testament, God also had, a, it wasn't called an ecclesia, but it was called a congregation and an assembly, and we saw that in Psalm 111 this morning. Um, it was whenever God's first people, Israel, were gathered together and doing many of the same things that we do as a church body here and now. Um, we also see in the New Testament that the church is not just a, a gathering or an assembly of people, but it is also something that Jesus builds. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, uh, Jesus says this, And Jesus answered him, speaking to, to Peter now, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And this is when Peter says, you're the son of God, right? You're the Messiah. But my father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And in that verse, what we see happening is that, yes, Peter is designated as this um, rock, this hard-headed person, as well as this foundation um, that Christ, not Peter, is going to build the church on, but Christ is going to build his church, his assembly, his gathering. So we look at the Old Testament gathering of people, and now we see Jesus saying, look, there's going to be a different gathering. There's going to be a different assembly, a different congregation that is coming together under my name, in my name, to the glory of the Father. Um, if we wanted to look a little bit at church history, we could look at the Nicene Creed and, wow, thanks, Wade. It was boring thus far, but now you're getting really boring. We're going to look at a very old document. No, we're not going to read the whole thing right now, although that is something we can do in the future. But for about a thousand years of the church's history, this is what we knew of as the church. We believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church. And now these words come with a lot of baggage, right? So we think Catholic and we think the church that's over there on the other side of town. Um, what the word Catholic means is universal. So all churches everywhere. Um, and then we also see the word apostolic and we might think of another church as well. But apostolic means that any church that is teaching what it is that Jesus handed to his best friends and his accomplices, if you will, the apostles. And so one holy, that is uh, a church that is set aside by God. And we looked at this in 1 Peter too, didn't we? What did Peter say to the church there in Asia Minor? He said, be holy as I am holy, quoting from the Old Testament. And this is what Christ has called his church to be holy and set aside for him. But also the good news in that, as we've already sung together this morning, uh, we have been set aside and we have been made holy. Yes, we still strive towards that. We still work towards that. And yet we have been set aside by Christ, okay? 
So, if we're going to talk about a universal church, if we're going to talk about a big church, a larger church everywhere, um, how are we going to do that? Because, uh, Wade, we're just a couple of people meeting in a room together. Um, I'm not really sure how this fits in. And, and we could go for um, some low-hanging fruit. and <laughs> We could say, well, you've been a part of another church before. Well, okay, we're not going to go there right now. What, what we're going to say is this. Um, I'm going to give you three glimpses at what the church is. Okay, And these are kind of big ideas, and you must forgive me for that, because these are important ideas as well. And what you might find this morning is that here's the idea of the church, and I'm kind of walking around it, okay, <laughs> taking shots from all sides, uh, trying to, in your minds, provoke a way of thinking about church that maybe you haven't thought of before, okay? Um, so the first thing that we want to say about the big picture of the church here is that it is a group of people called together by God to be known as his. It is a group of people called together by God to be known as his. Now, if you want something that's, I hope, fresh in your memory, we could go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, where Peter says this. And a reminder now, speaking to the whole church that is in, in Asia Minor, in modern-day Turkey, um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So one big picture way of looking at the church is to say that we are a group of people called together by God to be known as His. Now we are a people, and like we see in this letter that Peter wrote that we've just studied, in 1 Peter verse 1, uh, chapter 1 verse 1, he says this, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, Right, those hand-picked outsiders um, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. Um, these are not like, okay, the church in Hermanus, the church in Claymont, the church in... These are big places that we're talking about here. These are big, spread-out places. And so Peter is writing a letter to not just a single church like what we have here at Mountain View Hermanus, but to all the churches in the Western Cape. Now, Peter is acknowledging that the church is larger than just the single body. And yet, in that, Peter is also acknowledging that the church is not just one big group of people called out by God, but the church is something more than that as well. Now, this gets some people uncomfortable, but the church is also a place. Okay? Now, it doesn't have to be a designated church with a giant steeple that costs billions of rands to build. Okay, It doesn't have to be that, but 
The church is a place where under biblically defined leadership, the grace of God is shown and received in ways that have been determined by him and are set out for us in scripture. Simply said this, the church is the place that God has designated for uh, his grace to be shown and received in specific ways. Okay? Shown and received in specific ways. And then if we wanted to tack on to that, we could also take it one step further and say, the church is the primary place God's people are called together, that is gathered, and sent back out, scattered. Said another way, the church is where grace, is where the grace and blessings of God should most clearly be seen and shared so that those blessings can go back out. Now, I know that I'm throwing a lot of words at you, but simply to say this, that the church is big, right? It is a larger church, and yet it is a smaller church as well. We cannot think that when Peter was writing a letter to churches in different regions throughout a very large piece of land, that he would be saying to them that all of this has to take place in some sort of uh, just as you're walking along the road and you suddenly think, oh, that person might be a Christian, let me go and preach to them. No, people are meeting, right? And we see this in the book of Acts, that they're meeting in the temple. Um, they're gathering in the temple. They're assembling in the temple. And they're also assembling in people's homes day by day. And so the church is something that is larger, and yet it is also something that is small. So what is the larger church? We've already talked about this, but it is the universal church, right? Um, it is all people who have placed their faith in Jesus. That is what the church is, if we want to talk about the larger church. And then we could also say that the church, they are, in a larger way, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And this is why, even though um, I believe that Baptists get a bad rap for being overly independent and wanting to do our own thing, this is why we partner with other churches. It's because we see our brothers and sisters at Christ Church and at Live the Life and at other churches as that, a part of the larger church. We see our brothers and sisters at Fountain of Victory International Church in Zwihitle, where my friend Francis is the pastor, as brothers and sisters in Christ. They are a part of this larger church. And what is the smaller church? Well, that, that should be an easy thing, right? Um, that is us, <laughs> right? Um, that is us. Actually, just thinking about it, back in 1 Peter as well in chapter 5, we read about how Peter's trying to comfort uh, the larger church and individual churches by saying what? He says, Your bro the brotherhood throughout the world is dealing with the exact same things, the exact same suffering that you are dealing with. That's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. But when we want to look at the smaller church, we can call it the local church, and there's many definitions that we could, we could pull out and say this is what the local church is. And here's what I want to say the local church is this morning. And this will become more clear two weeks from now when we look at membership. But the local church is a Christ-confessing covenant community. And let me unpack that for just a second. 
um, just like what we sang together this morning. Uh, We were confessing Christ. That is that we were speaking about Jesus, his person and his work, and claiming everything that Jesus is and what he did to be true. That's what a confession is when we're speaking truth and declaring it to be truth. Um, And then a covenant community. Obviously, we are a community of believers here. However, what we see happening in, in 1 Peter, what we see happening in the book of Romans, we see uh, many things being said about the church, what we should be doing together. I think we have over a hundred things that are one another's in Scripture. Things that we should be doing for and on behalf of one another. And, and this is what it means to be covenanting together. Obviously, we know that we're all a part of Christ's new covenant of his blood, right? We are going to be doing the Lord's Supper next week together and the week after. And when we do the Lord's Supper together, this is an informal way of making a promise to one another. If we were to go back to Psalm 111, we would see, I think, twice that Beverly read for us that God's covenant stands forever. His promises stand forever. In that same way, Christ has made a promise to the church and he has asked us to make certain promises to one another as a part of the church. If we wanted to look at a definition of the local church that we have looked at before, um, here's what we could say. We went through this in the Daily Doctrine series. We've gone over this a couple other times, but I want us to look at this together real quick as well. Um, So what is the local church? It is a group of believers united, or uniting rather, by the Holy Spirit meeting locally and regularly for the preaching of the word, properly or rightly celebrating baptism and the Lord's Supper, practicing gracious church discipline for holiness. And now, that one always looks scary, right? Uh, But we must understand that church discipline does not always mean a negative thing. Um, Church discipline can sometimes very simply be the teaching of the word so that all of us are disciplined into thinking correctly about who God is, okay? Um, That is also a form of discipline, Um, but there is also a way of, there's multiple ways of talking about discipline for holiness. Under qualified leadership that is multiplying, And as we look at this year in the life of Mountain View Hermanus, this is something that we are focusing on as a church. Um, This year, as we initiate membership, as we decide what that is going to look like and, um, and, and slowly bring people into that process, uh, what this also means as that is that as a church, we need something more than me standing up here. 
Okay? <laughs> we need something more than me standing up here. If you remember from 1 Peter chapter 5 that we studied together last week, uh, what did we read about? We read about elders in the church, right? Elsewhere in the New Testament, in Timothy and in Titus, uh, we read that uh, there are elders and there are deacons, and these are things that we need to put into place this year in the life of our church. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Not because that means I can just stop working and give all the work to someone else. That's not what it is. But because that's what we've been asked to do in Scripture. That is what God has asked us to be doing. And, and what this does for us is it calls us further and further, deeper and deeper into obedience into what it is that God would have for us. And then lastly that we are clearly about the mission that Jesus set us on. And now, you might say, what is the mission of the church, right? Um, and there are many things that we could look at, but it's actually quite simple. Um, it gets a little bit complicated when we look at multiple passages, but what we have what we call the Great Commission, right? Um, and in Scripture, we actually have five, four, five, six, somewhere around there, versions of the Great Commission spoken to us, okay? What it is that discipling should look like, really. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, we read this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, I'm not going to take the time to read through all the Great Commission passages today, although perhaps that is something we can do in the future. Um, with a little help from a couple of other theologians, though, here's what we have if we were to try to compress all of those different Great Commission passages together, right? So what are we doing here as a church? We're on mission. Now that Sounds really silly, right? Because next week, Pastor Tom's going to be talking about what we do together. And it doesn't look like we're going anywhere. It looks like we're sitting down and just listening. <laughs> but it's actually much more than that. So we could say this. What is the mission of the church? It's going into the world to make disciples by declaring the good news about Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Gathering those disciples into churches that will worship the Lord and obey his commands now and forever to the glory of God. And that's our mission. That's our mission. One way of thinking about that mission, and from the outset of us coming here to the Waldorf School, one thing that we have been uh, aiming towards is a church that is reflective of the diversity of Hermanus. And we all know that this is not an easy thing. And yet, 
Uh, here at Mountain View, we want to be working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to worship and scatter to share the good news about the person and work of Jesus. That's one of our goals. And now, I know that I've thrown so much at you this morning. And you might be thinking to yourself, not a lot of scripture in there. <laughs> well, there was. There was. And there will continue to be. What I want to do now is I want to look forward at 2018. And what's different in 2018? Here's the good news. Nothing. Nothing's different in 2018. Um, in fact, uh, it's boringly not different in 2018. Um, it's just normal. And now, that might sound kind of silly because don't we need to keep progressing in order to grow and so on and so forth? But what is our mission, right? Simply stated, our mission is to make disciples. Our mission is to make disciples. That's what we are called to do. And what we want to continue to do this next year is to make sure that disciple-making, to make sure that life together as a body of believers, um, to make sure that ministry and service both to the church and to one another, that these are all just normal things. In fact, the word ministry simply means service. Um, and some ways of translating in the New Testament just means little work. That's all it means, okay? Ministry is a little work. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take up a lot of time or a lot of finances or anything like that. What it does mean is that this is supposed to be a daily in and out of our lives. So as we go into 2018, we've already been a couple places, right? We've already been in 1 Peter. We finished 1 Peter. And I'm, I'm excited about continuing to go through books of the Bible this year. Um, we have a couple of different sermon series coming in and out. Uh, but here's what I loved about going through 1 Peter is that we got to deal with a lot of different scripture that honestly I didn't want to deal with. I didn't want to have to deal with it. One thing that 1 Peter also did for us was that we got to focus on suffering. Now, this was a long time ago now, but back in 2016, we talked a lot about lament, and that lament and the focus on suffering actually needed to be a part of our worship, especially as we welcomed people into our congregation that maybe had more to lament about than we do. Um, this year, too, we're continuing kids' church after church here on a Sunday. Um, and we've limited it to school kids, uh, school-aged children, and I'm excited to continue to see these kids grow week after week. We're going chronologically through the Bible. We're teaching them truths about who God is and who Jesus is, and they're memorizing Scripture. Um, there can be nothing better than that for kids. This past week, Finnegan got a concussion, okay? <laughs> he got a concussion. He, he stumbled up to Tara. We were at an event for Aislinn's school, and he was all woozy. He wasn't walking straight, and um, he couldn't remember anything that had happened, and he still can't. Uh, but the next morning, you know, we were kind of concerned about him. I've only, I only remember getting concussions as an adult, not as a child, and so... 
I don't know what it's like as a child. I don't know if this is serious or not. But I, he woke up the next morning and I said, what's your name? And he looked at me blankly and I thought, oh no. <laughs> oh no, we got to go to the doctor. And then finally after a minute, I think he realized what I was doing. He's like, Finnegan? I'm like, good. And then I asked him, why did God create you and everything for his own glory? I'm like, okay, good. He's got his catechism question memorized, all right? Um, he had his memory back. He knew his name. He knew his sister's name. He could answer his catechism questions. And I say that as just a little story, a little funny picture of what I think this does for the kids that are coming to Kids Church. Um, as they progress in life, as they continue, as they go through school, this week we're talking about what it is to be made in God's image. And what that means to what that means as far as you being different than an animal, uh, uh, any kind of animal that's running around, right? And this is why we, at least in some ways, value our body. We don't let other people destroy or hurt our bodies or us ourselves destroy and hurt our bodies, okay? Um, also, we're going, after these three weeks in this series, we're going to go through seven weeks in the book of Isaiah. I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's one of my favorite books. I would love to do 30 weeks in it, but let's just, let's just get a soft opening to the book of Isaiah and then we'll, we'll move further with that. Also, this week, we are finishing and finalizing plans for our Everyday Justice Conference, which will be here at the Waldorf School. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about that because it is an opportunity to reach out to and serve the other churches here in Hermanus. It's also an opportunity to pull people into the church that are interested in caring for others. Um, for a long time, and Pastor Kim, you would have more knowledge about this than, than I do, but uh, there's been talks of a, a shelter for people without homes being built here in Hermanus, and this thing's always been like on track and off track and on track and off track. Um, and, and if I can speak very honestly about it, uh, it's distinctly and definitely a non-Christian thing. That's not inherently bad. People that don't know Jesus can do great things in this world. And yet there is not a value for justice from the character of God in that. To make things deeply rooted and to keep things going for a long time, justice needs to be rooted in more than our feelings about another person, right? And so I'm excited for that. Um, I don't know if this is a phrase here, but wintering, right? Birds migrating to go and winter somewhere else or something to that effect. But we're going to be wintering in the Psalms together. Uh, seven weeks, give or take, maybe a little bit more, of wintering in the Psalms. Uh, maybe I said wintering because we're all going to be getting older as we do that. I don't know. But we're going to be wintering in the Psalms and looking at the songbook that God actually wrote for us. And that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. This is also exciting because it's not just going to be a time for me to stand up here and say the same thing week after week about Psalms, okay? Uh, this is going to be a time for us as a church body to get different voices up here preaching. 
and for us to invite different voices from the outside to be preaching and declaring the good news to us as we study the Psalms together. Um, Obviously, last year we had our 2017 leadership camp, and this year will be our 2018 leadership camp here at the Waldorf School. I'm expecting good things from that again. Um, It was a really great time last year to be building into kids' lives, both just practically and then practically with God's Word as well. So I think we should all be looking forward to that. And then what's going to carry us through the rest of the year together? Studies in the Gospel of Mark. Um, A king and his kingdom, if we want to say it like that. Um, Studies in the Gospel of Mark. Much like 1 Peter, (laughs) where you get thrown into the mix and not really a lot of explanation about what's really going on, that's what we're met with in Mark. We're met... We're meeting Jesus, not at his birth, not in the womb, but at the outset of his ministry. And we're meeting Jesus in many miraculous exorcisms of demons and in healings and in very mysterious words sometimes. And yet, I think that this is a really great opportunity for us to dig deeply into God's word together Um, And to not be afraid to look at passages that we would maybe just sometimes brush off when we're reading in private, um, but instead have the support of one another to be walking through that book of the Bible together. Okay. Let me take a breath here for a second, okay? That's 2018 in a nutshell. Um. We could look at that and we could say, well, Wade, I don't know. I feel like uh, the whole, you, this whole schedule that you've set up, I don't know if that's really meeting me where I'm at. Uh, we could say, I don't really know how the Holy Spirit's going to work in the midst of you planning a year out. Um, we could say all those things. And honestly, those are things that I think as well. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm asking myself, when it gets to September, am I going to want to be in the Gospel of Mark? But here's the good news, okay? Uh, The good news is that all God's Word, all of it, lasts forever, right? Uh, We're actually doing an eternal thing here and getting to know God through His Word. We could open up any book of the Bible and we could do that. Um, But what I would like for you to do and what I'm going to be doing is praying that as we continue down this course and as we continue into this year, that God will be using his word to change us and to speak to us. And I know that by the time we get to Mark, we won't be asking a question of, well, I just don't know if Mark's meeting me where, where I'm at. I, maybe I'd rather be studying John. <laughs> okay. I think we're going to look at Mark and we're going to say, thank God. Thank God that he has given us these words to reveal himself and his son to us. All right, let me pray for us. God, we love you, and we are thankful that we can come together today uh, as an assembly, as a gathering of your people to worship you. Lord, we thank you so much 
for this past year. Lord, I thank you that for the past uh, five years of my life, I have been, you have laid on my heart to pray for uh, a church specifically here in Hermanus and a church where people would be gathering to do all the things that we talk about as a local church, gathering locally here and regularly and under qualified leadership and keeping one another accountable to your word and taking part in the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper together and doing that rightly and being on mission for you. Lord, over the past several years, I and others have been praying that there would be people as leaders raised up in a church here in Hermanus. And the beautiful thing, Lord, is that each and every week I get to stand up here and preach and look out at those leaders. At a congregation of people that have been called together by you and are on mission to not just plant a church, but to multiply that. And God, I'm especially thankful also for people that you have brought into this church over this past year um, that have simply been in preparation to serve your body well by leading your body in song. Um, God, we're thankful for Steve and for Robin. We're thankful for the Kims. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that as we um, leave this place today, as we go out into the world, as we um, focus on loving you with all that we are, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, and with all of our strength, God, we know that your Holy Spirit will be right there alongside of us encouraging us, prodding us forward, strengthening us. Lord, as opportunity arises to love our neighbor as ourselves, that is, people that we walk by on the street, whose homes we drive by, that we run into at the shop, um, Lord, I pray that you will be constantly uh, giving us the courage that we need to be carriers of your good news to those neighbors, to those people around us. And Lord, as opportunity is given to us that we will love those people as ourselves. God, I also know that each and every one of us, we are going to um, fail this week at loving you with all that we are. And that we are going to fail in serving our neighbors well. <laughs> and on that note, Lord, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you that in all of our areas of fallenness and in all of our sin and in all of our weakness and in all of our fool-mindedness that, that is somehow convinced that we just 
carry a little bit of sin with us and that uh, it doesn't affect the way that we think or the decisions that we make or the way that we talk to people. God, we know better than that. And we know that your son Jesus lived a life that perfectly reflected who God is and who God and how God desires us to be living. Lord, we thank you for that perfect life that Jesus lived on our behalf. And we are thankful for that perfect death that he died for us that covers over all of our sin, all of our failings, all of our weaknesses, all of our ignorance. And God, we're thankful that Jesus did not just die, but that you raised him back to life through the power of your Holy Spirit and your glory. And Lord, it's because of his resurrection that we know we can live and live more fully, live more abundantly. And that not only that, but that we never truly die, Lord, but that we are forever going to be living with you. God, I pray for each of us this week that we will not look to ourselves, but that we will look to you and that we will be consistently and constantly resting in and relying upon Jesus for our salvation. God, we love you and we pray all of this in his name. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.